Turn your Bible to the book of Daniel. I think I'm going to pretty much jump into it. I'm going to wind up giving my testimony tonight and uh, somewhat at least a good part of, part of the message. Book of Daniel chapter 1. Thinking about Daniel and how he got started, his life and ministry. Been reading the book of Daniel several times recently and sections of it different times. Uh, thinking about the conference, uh, the theme verse, you know, they're ten times better uh, there in verse 20. But anyhow, Daniel chapter 1, beginning, I'm going to read beginning in verse 8, verses 1 through 7. I mean, we're right at the beginning of the story of Daniel's life. And uh, verses 1 through 7, they, you know, move over there, they get their names and uh, so on. Then the first thing really that happens is there in verse 8, uh, it says, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he, Daniel, requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. And uh, the whole story of Daniel's life begins with a simple decision he made there in verse 8 when it says he purposed in his heart, I'm going to do right. Let's pray. Father, pray that you would bless the time we have together tonight. Holy Spirit, lead and guide my mind. Help me to emphasize what I should. Again, we pray. Holy Spirit, speak to hearts. Help young people to see your heart and my heart in this. Help them, all of us to decide we're going to serve God and live for you today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, again, the, the whole thing begins with Daniel purposing in his heart there in verse 8. Uh, after Daniel purposes in his heart, verse 9, it says, now, Daniel had brought, now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. And then if you skip down in verse 17, as for these four children, God gave them knowledge and skill and all learning and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding and visions and dreams. The whole thing began with Daniel saying, I want to serve God. I'm going to purpose in my heart. I'm going to do right. I'm going to serve God. Daniel didn't surrender to be president. Now, he wound up being president, wound up being the first of the three presidents. But he didn't say, you know, when he was a young boy there, I suppose college age, maybe 20 years old or so. I, anyhow, uh, relatively young. He just said, oh, serve God. And undoubtedly, even before it's recorded there in, uh, you know, he'd made that decision before he got to verse 8 in chapter 1. He decided, I want to serve God in my life. I'm going to do right. I'm going to keep myself clean and see where God takes me. And he didn't say, he didn't, when he did that, he didn't have a plan. He didn't know where he was going, what he was going to wind up doing. Uh, he certainly didn't say, God, I'm going to surrender to uh, be a missionary. I'm going to surrender to be a president. I'm going to surrender, you know, God, I'm willing to go to the lion's den. God, I'm ready to interpret the writing on the wall. God, I'm ready to, I, just a 20-year-old young man or so decided, I want to serve God. And he turned his life over to God, and God led him and equipped him for what God had for him to do. Uh, he didn't wind up making a plan for his life, not even in terms of ministry. He just said, I'm going to purpose in my heart, I'm going to do right. I'm going to serve God. And once he made that decision, then God gave him favor. Uh, and again, he undoubtedly made that decision long before it's recorded in verse 8. And uh, God gave him favor with the prince of the eunuchs and with others and was able to lead and bring him where God wanted him to go. Gave him the ability and gave the others that had made the similar decisions the abilities that they needed to do what God wanted them to do. 
I think God gives different people different abilities, different leading, depending on what he wants them to do. And uh, you don't need to plan that out for your life in ministry any more than as far as that goes. You need to plan it out in your life, not in the ministry. Uh, Again, we pick it up the story. I'm going to skip over to chapter 6 and uh, verse 1. And you don't need to, you know, don't need to turn to all these. I'm not going to read a lot of scripture, uh, reference it and so on. Uh, just so you didn't take notes, I want to preach to your hearts, not your notebooks uh, tonight. Others may do differently. I did differently this morning. Uh, but tonight I want to preach to your heart. Uh, Daniel is uh, chapter 6 and verse 1. He's president. They have three presidents, 120 princes, I think it said, and 120 princes three presidents, he's the first president, he's in charge of the country, and uh, everybody's reporting to him, the other 122 don't like it, they don't like Daniel, probably his convictions, his stand, his righteousness, they try to keep trying to find something wrong with him, they can't, and uh, so they decide we're going to get rid of Daniel, I think it's like those uh, people in the world and Christian young people make a plan how we're going to advance our cause. And they made a plan. They had a foolproof plan for their life. In chapter 6, 122 of them, they had numbers. They had the heart, the power of the king behind them. And they decide we're going to get rid of Daniel. We're going to wind up with power and wealth. Sounds like you know, Christian young people I talk to sometimes. And, uh, you know, I go around the country, talk to folks, and, uh, you know, thought about Bible college, whatever, and I hear again and again and again. Well, Brother Jorgensen, uh, you know, I, I, God hasn't directly called me to something specific, and I've always liked whatever, computers, you know, engineering, nursing, uh, technology, whatever, uh, you know, carpentry. I've always liked and I'm pretty good at it. And besides that, it pays pretty well. That's always in there. So I guess that's what I should do. And I keep wanting to say, well, where is God in all of that? You know, but anyhow, they got a plan for their life. They got it set out. Kind of like these uh, 122 people had a plan how we're going to get rid of Daniel. We're going to wind up with the wealth and the power. We're going to get rid of him. We'll be able through corruption and greed and graft to get more money and more power you know that's how they were going to get rid of him by you know one ethical what they were wanting to do and uh so they they've got a plan we're going to get rid of daniel we're going to get and and you know what their plan worked they said we're going to get daniel thrown in a lion's den they had a great plan and it worked (laughs) daniel got thrown in the lion's den we got it. Our day's coming. Except for one thing. God said no. Didn't work. They said our king has made a ruling. Daniel said, 622, my God has delivered me. Now, if God had take me to heaven, that'd be okay. But he didn't want to take me to heaven now. Again, they said, our king, and we got the king to do this, and we've got a full... I mean, the, my plan is, I, I'm going to be a success, Brother Young. I have money and power, and it, it's going to be great. Got the king behind me. Daniel said, my God has delivered me. 
6.24, they wound up going to the lions along with the, their wives and their children. You go into sin, it doesn't just hurt you. You go out of the will of God, it doesn't just hurt you. It hurts your family and others that love you and follow you and messes up other lives besides just yours. Somebody said, well, the lions just weren't hungry that night. Well, they sure created, got a big appetite right after Daniel left because they ate the 122 and their families before they hit the ground, according to the Bible. God's in charge. I'm not in charge. I'm not in charge of my life. I can't control what happens in my life. God does that. And you know what? 628, it says Daniel prospered. They had the foolproof plan. They wound up being killed by the lions. Daniel wound up prospering. Why don't you just decide, God, I want a purpose in my heart. I want to serve you. Don't care where, don't care how, don't care what the salary is. God, I just want to serve you. You lead me, direct me, bring me into favor and the right people, take me to the right places, put me in the right situations, give me the abilities for what you want me to do. I'm going to serve you. It's a wonderful life. Again, I want to give my testimony tonight. I felt different things. You pray about what to preach in the conference. And I felt like I should. I was born in Cleveland, Ohio. Moved to Racine, Wisconsin when I was uh, four years old, something like that. Reared in a Lutheran home. Dad and mom, you know, had we lived middle class, weren't wealthy, but you know we got by, and uh, had an, always had enough, and uh, you know went public schools, Lutheran church was involved in public schools back in the 60s and, you know, there and, and uh, ran for vice president of the student body. We were going into my senior year, school of 2,000 people, 700 in my senior class. I guess the sophomores and juniors weren't as smart because we had 700 seniors, only 2,000 total. But anyhow, uh, three years of high school back then and uh, was on the wrestling team a couple, time, couple of years was involved in athletics, knew the athletes, you know, hung around with them some, not a lot, more than the student government crowd. And, uh, you know, but anyhow, uh, my dad taught me character in those years. He wasn't saved. Brother Hiles personally led him to Christ in his home four months to the day before his funeral. But he was a good dad, taught me character and honesty, integrity, taught me to work. Mom taught me the King James Bible is the inspired, infallible Word of God. And even on her deathbed, kept saying, always stick with the King James Bible. Taught me salvation by grace through faith. I wasn't especially good at athletics. I mean, I, again, I can get along. But I was pretty good at academics. I wound up getting a full scholarship to Princeton University. Went there, didn't cost me a nickel. And uh, actually got money back to help us travel with travel expenses back and forth. So I went to Princeton University, enrolled there, majored in mathematics. Uh, went through, the, you know, went through and uh, did well. Did well on my SATs and all those standardized tests. Generally, I mean, you know, academics is the one thing I was pretty good at. And uh, when I got into Princeton, 
met a man named Donald Fullerton, single man who'd given his life to having a Bible study group there on the campus of Princeton University, taught me a ton of Bible. It was an evangelical, almost fundamental Bible study group and uh, learned a lot of Bible there. And I decided, you know, at some point in there in my life, I decided, you know, God, I'm on purpose to serve you. I mean, I didn't go in ministry because I couldn't do anything else. You know, unlike this was the only thing open to me. Made us take graduate record exams. I think I got a 90th percentile on those, so I had better scores than 9 out of 10 people going to grad school in math. I could have done that. Gotten a scholarship again, I suppose. And uh, you know, other opportunities. I mean, you know, you're graduating from Princeton. You kind of do. You got a lot of opportunities. I got classmates that did different things and people I went to school with that I knew that became governors and Supreme Court justices and president of Big Ten universities and things like that. And, you know, but I just felt like, man, people die and going to hell. Somebody's got to take them to gospel. Why do I want to spend my life or 50, 60 hours a week working some secular job Instead of trying to help people and prepare them for minute, or, you know, preaching or doing whatever, again, at that point in my life, I didn't know what God wanted me to do. I just wanted to serve Him. And I think, by and large, you know, you, you just you say, God, I want to serve you. And then God, you know, Daniel didn't say, I want to be, you know, God, God didn't call down and say, I'm looking for somebody to interpret the writing on the wall who'd be willing to, oh, I'd do that. Oh, he just said, I'm going to serve you, God. I'm going to keep my life clean. And God led him and brought him and said, you're the one I want to do this. What about Shadrach, Meshach, and Ben? Didn't want them to do that. He wanted them to go in the fiery furnace. Why do you want them to go to the fiery furnace? Daniel to go to the I don't know. God had a plan. Look, you don't need to make a plan for your life. I've said this a lot. I'm sure I've probably said it every year here for several years. You don't need to make a plan for your life. God's already got a better plan than you could come up with. All you've got to do is find God's plan and follow it. And God isn't going to show you the whole thing from the beginning. God's going to show it to you step by step. When I was 22 years old, deciding to go into full-time ministry and so on, thinking I'm probably going to wind up being a missionary, thought about the upper Amazon in Brazil, heard of towns of 100,000, 200,000 with no gospel witness. And I uh, thought, I'm probably going to wind up being a missionary. God, I want to serve you. I purposed in my heart not to defile myself and to serve God. And then God directed me. He gave me wisdom. He gave me the ability to, what I, to do what I needed to do. Equip me differently than he equipped Brother Young or Brother Fugit or Brother Cooper or Brother Davis or whatever. Because we don't have, God doesn't have us doing the same things. We're all different. But God's given... Following God's plan for your life is the best. It's it's thousand times better. Million times better. I thought about, for decorations, putting up pictures of Skid Row in a family circle, sitting down at the dinner table, saying ten times better. 
far as that goes, you put a picture of Prince, couldn't go to sleep, had to take sleeping pill, take narcotics to get to sleep at night until it killed him, and money, <laughs> put Derek Young's house next to it, simple little adequate house, put his family there and say, a thousand times better. And on and on you could go. Anyhow, went home summer after my freshman year at Princeton, got a job, working, help pay bills or whatever. Somebody, John R. Rice's family, started working in the same little machine shop as I was, invited me to church. It's pastored by Charles Himes, one of Dr. Rice's sons-in-law. Got to know the Rice family, got into fundamentalism. Learned to be a soul winner. Gave me somebody gave me a copy of Brother Howe's booklet, "Let's Go Soul Winning." Read that, started trying to win souls. Led men to Christ there at Princeton. It was all men back then. Got Dr. Rice's advice. Basically, I you know said that wound up going down to Tennessee Temple to study seminary. And, uh, you know, got under the influence of Dr. Lee Robertson, learned about the local church and emphasis on Baptist and everything else in the bus ministry. First week, few weekends I was there, I talked to somebody who's trying to figure out what ministry to get into, and Priest and Phillips said to me, well, Jim, bus ministry is a good ministry. You get a chance to witness to them on the way to church, witness to them at church, witness to them on the way home. I don't know if it always works like that. Sometimes you're just trying to keep them together. Been in that bus ministry, I guess, over 40 years now. Still in it today. My wife and I personally visit on a bus route just about every Saturday. We're in Lexington. I mean, we personally visit. We were out on route last week, week before, week before. Love the bus ministry. Got that under Dr. Robertson. He used to lead the Saturday morning bus pastors meetings, they called them. Sat in those two years. And uh, worked there. Got Met Dr. Wendell Evans, who was, uh, since I had a math degree from Princeton, they let me teach math part-time in the college. And uh, I was teaching bonehead math and so on. But uh, it was, you know, it was, it was a job. It was ministry. Well, you could have made more money. Man, it was ministry. I was serving God. Dr. Evans mentored me academically, and then I graduated, and he moved up to Hiles Anderson. And you're in a, as assistant pastor, and the, they said, well, we can't afford to keep you. And Brother Evans contacted him. He introduced me to Brother Hiles, talked Brother Hiles into giving me a chance. All Brother Howes let me do the first year was teach math. I guess he figured I wouldn't mess that up too badly. Then I had Greek and math. I was teaching Greek and math. Then academic dean and then dean of the college and vice president there and worked there 23 years. And then out west and the, with Brother Treber at Golden State and then here for 15. In between, God brought me to Tennessee Temple and met my wife. Got to have the right mate. Told her, I think we're going to Brazil, upper Amazon, dirt house, mud floor, 
that's okay with you. Oh, it's fine. Anywhere to be with you. That's essentially what she said. We've got a lovely house. Never been to Amazon. I hope I'm still willing to go there tomorrow if that's what God's will is. I I mean to be. I want to be. Brother Hiles and the influence there. Look at it. Look, I purposed. God brought things into my life. God gave me abilities. And it's ten times better. More more than ten times better. There's no comparison. Say, so wouldn't you rather have been governor of some state? Nope. I'd rather be a preacher of the Word of God. Look, when I was 20 years old, there's no way I could have said, God, I want to surrender to be a Bible college vice president. I want to help build three good Bible colleges in my lifetime. Pretty much in on the ground floor of three of them. Worked also at Tennessee Temple. Worked at four. There's no way I could have said that. All I could say is, God, I want to serve you. I go Brazil. I go wherever you want. God said, here's where I want you. I don't have that much doubt. I'm in God's will and have been in God's will through this time. You decide. I want to challenge you tonight to decide. I want to serve God. I want to give God my life. I think you ought to decide if you're going to do that, you ought to go Bible college. Where you prepare. It's what you do. I mean, somebody says, well, I think, you know, I mean, I want to serve God, but I, you know, I like laying bricks. And another, I don't know, nobody's told me here they want to lay bricks. I was fear, man, why wouldn't I rather do this full time than spend 50 hours a week laying bricks by the time you back and forth and overtime? You're going to be a success. You're going to work a lot more than eight hours a day. At whatever you do, ministry, bricklaying, computer technology, nursing, whatever, you're going to spend more than eight hours a day at it. Why wouldn't I rather spend those 60, 70 hours a week, you know, helping people? Every Sunday, there's well over a thousand men of God that stand to preach the Word of God around the globe that I've had a small part in training. That's pretty exciting to me. I didn't plan that. I just said, God, I want to serve you. Preached in, I think, 43 states, last count, several foreign countries. Pick up Vietnam this this uh, spring. I told Dr. Evans recently, he and I were together, and my friend and mentor I said, you know, the, you know, it amazes me that I get to preach where I do and have opportunities that I do to preach. God may wind you up being a bus pastor, an assistant pastor, a pastor, a missionary, Christian school teacher. Man, there's a need. Now, we get calls two, three, four a week this time of year. Brother Jorgensen, do you have any teachers for me? Do you have an assistant pastor for me? We need a pastor. I mean, I still understand why a Christian wouldn't rather say, yeah, I'll do that. We'll give them a place to live. We'll give you know, elementary school principal I talked to the other day looking for two, three, four teachers down there. 
good, solid school, been there forever, pay you, you know, they quoted a salary plus a place to live and so on. I mean, you get along on that. Why wouldn't somebody rather do that than say, well, you know, I just, I, I, just, I don't understand. I, I want to make as much of my life as I can count for God. You're 20, 15, 16. You, you've got, you can do whatever you want. You serve God with your life. Look, so Satan's goal is to keep you out of God's will. He really doesn't care how he does it. If he can do that by getting you to go into immorality and drugs and alcohol and so you don't follow God's plan for your life, Satan's happy. If he can get you to keep he can get you to follow money and pursue fame and fortune or whatever and I'm going to I've just always wanted to be and so you don't do God's will for your life, Satan's happy about that too. Somebody said to me when I was your age years ago, you can go God's way or you can go Satan's way, but you can't go your own. I'm going to go my way. (laughs) Satan's happy. This is what I, I'm not doing what Satan wants, I'm doing what I want. Satan says, good. (laughs) I mean, he doesn't care what you do instead of serving God. He doesn't care what you do on Saturday instead of going soul winning and uh, working a bus route or whatever. He doesn't care. You know, he doesn't care whether you're drunk or laying in bed. He's glad you're not out soul winning. Somebody again said, you go God's way or Satan's way, but you can't go your own. Why don't you quit trying to plan your success? You know, you and I don't know what God's going to take me to. And I, again, I graduated there at Tennessee Temple and went out being assistant pastor for a year. I thought I'd be here a year or two and then go to the mission field. Pastor came to me and said, well, I've got two assistant pastors. You're married. The other guy's single. You call, you know, he lives at home with his parents. Family's a part of the church. I've got to pay you housing and everything else. He's been in the church, family been in the church for 15 years. You've been here one. You've got to leave. Okay. That's what moved me to Hiles Anderson. God's will. I didn't know. I didn't have a plan. I said, God, I want to serve you. I want to challenge you tonight to say, God, I want to plan. I just want to plan to serve you. you know, we need people. We need young people in the ministry. Brother Fugit talked to the juniors and seniors a little bit about the righteous remnant. I am fully persuaded that the reason God spares society is in response to the righteous lives of His people. And I, you know, homosexuality, drugs, everything else like that. I mean, it's it's a different world than it was when I was in high school. You know, I mean, everything. I mean, if there was a homosexual in our high school, I I had no, I mean. <laughs> I didn't think there was. I mean, I never saw or heard of it. I mean, I knew what it was, and I figured, oh, I don't know, maybe someplace in prisons or whatever, but I, I mean, I don't know. But that's the way it was. It wasn't that I was sheltered. I mean, I, I was in the thick of the school life. Drugs, I mean, you know, there were guys that went across the street and smoked during lunch. 
That, I mean, that was what you did if you were rebellious or a troublemaker. I mean, I don't no, Nobody took drugs. And, uh, you know, I, but I don't have much hope of getting America to turn away from getting the sinners to be less sinful or less blatant in their sin. I, I don't necessarily think that we're going to reverse that. But I think the way God spares society is in response to the righteous lives of his people. That's a lesson from Sodom and Gomorrah if there is one. And I do have hope that in a crowd like this, if 50 of you guys go out and build a church or pastor a church or something, that would be one more in every state. And if each of you ran 100, that would be 5,000 more in, church, in a fundamental Baptist church in a righteous life. And if another 50 of you went to be assistants and a couple hundred of you went to teach in Christian schools and train people, you know, maybe we can continue to build enough of a righteous remnant in this country that God would spare the country. And Brother Jorgensen, why are you working still? Why aren't you retired? People ask me that sometimes. People going to hell. Our country needs servants. Our country needs people in the ministry. I want to challenge you tonight again. Why don't you just say, God, I'm going to serve you with my life. I'll put you first. I'm going to stay clean. And uh, I, I think then you ought to go to Bible college. You ought to decide, this is what I'm going to do. And <laughs> serving God is ten times, a thousand times better than anything the devil could offer you. And uh, again, I just, it's give God your life.